Good morning. It is January 3rd. Welcome to the McGregor EMC Sunday service. Lift up your eyes and look around. God delivers the needy when they call. Let your hearts thrill and rejoice. God will deliver the poor and those who have no helper. The nations will bring gold and frankincense before the Lord. We shall see and be radiant. And we will proclaim the praise of the Lord. I'll be reading from Psalm 147, verses 12 to 20 in the easy-to-read version. Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Zion, praise your God. He makes your gates strong, and he blesses the people in your city. He brought peace to your country, so you will have plenty of grain for food. He gives a command to the earth, and it quickly obeys. He makes the snow fall until the ground is as white as wool. He makes sleep blow through the air like dust. He makes hail fall like rocks from the sky. 
No one can stand the cold he sends. Then he gives another command, and warm air begins to blow. The ice melts, and the water begins to flow. He gave his commands to Jacob. He did not do this for any other nation. He did not teach his laws to other people. Praise the Lord. Holy name, sing like. 
I'll be reading from John 1, 1 to 9, out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John, who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. John 1, 10 to 18. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one I was of whom I have said, the one coming after me has surpassed me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Good morning. I'd like to lead you in uh, the prayer this morning a prayer that uh, I would like to bring, encourage you and bring much glory to God through. A loving God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for an opportunity that we have to share our love and our appreciation of all the amazing things that you have done for us. I thank you, Lord, that before time, that this plan of sending Jesus down to earth to be in, to lay in a manger, to be, take on human flesh, and you had this plan a long time ago. And I thank you so much that this plan came to, came about, and this plan, it continues as we walk towards Easter, and we celebrate Christ's crucifixion and resurrection and his ascension. Lord, I thank you for the amazing gifts that you have given to us. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have walked with this world through this pandemic. Lord, I pray especially for the many families in Manitoba that are dealing with loved ones who have died through it, died not only from COVID-19, but died from other things in the last month, couple months, and they haven't been able to properly uh, go through the grieving process as the funerals sizes have changed. Lord, I just pray that you would help these families to look to you and realize that you are in control and that you are watching over them. Lord, I would like to pray a prayer that St. Patrick of Ireland prayed in 430 A.D., And the prayer goes like this. Christ, shield us today against poison, the poison of Corona-19, and also the poison of the fearful spirit that has taken over during this pandemic. And also the, that you would help us to obey our governments as you have instructed us to do. Christ, shield us against the burning, the burning of following other gods that have taken your place in our hearts. Christ, shield us against the drowning. Lord, that our pride and our arrogance and rebellion against you would change and that we would say yes to you in every situation and every relationship of our lives. Christ, 
Give us abundant life in our hearts, abundant life that would be seek to glorify you in every part of it, so that there may come to us abundance of reward. Christ in us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ with us, Christ beneath us, Christ above me and you, Christ on our right, Christ on our left, Christ when we lie down, and Christ when we sit up, Christ when we arise, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in the heart of every man or woman who thinks of us, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of us, Christ in every eye that sees us, and Christ in every ear that hears us. O Lord, that is my prayer for each person that is listening to this broadcast, for each person that attends this church, and for each person in this community and in this province of Manitoba. I pray, Lord, that you would give us humble hearts to accept and to be obedient to you. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. We're rolling well into 2021 now. And uh, my name is Everett Olson. I was asked by Pastor Russell to do a sermon, and since he's on vacation, I figured, yeah, I might as well. As I went into this, I went through a decent amount of prayer to make sure that this was from God and not just some something from man so that the Spirit would flow through me and just work everywhere around me as I went into this, this journey to develop this sermon. In this, I sought to learn and explain as best I could the meaning of John 1, but I kept coming back to who is Jesus, and I got caught between this, this idea of explaining John 1 and who is the Word, as well as the greatest story ever told, and this one thing kept reoccurring about the dangers of idolatry. And it just it kept coming back over and over and over. And I prayed that, God, if this is what you want me to talk about, then I need you to give me the words to say. A few days ago before this recording, I saw the song list for today, and I was blown away at how God is just lining things up for today and how he wants it done. Today we'll be learning about who the word is, the danger of idolatry, and who is Christ. A pastor by the name of John Piper is quoted for saying, human words are nothing if they aren't clearly echoing the words of God. So today I will do my best to clearly echo the words of God. The Gospel according to John, 
focuses primarily on the three years from when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist up to his death and resurrection. John doesn't focus on lineage or ancestral history to back up the claims of who Christ is, much like Matthew, Mark, and Luke do, where they start with the ancestral lineage and they lead up to the death and the resurrection and all the ministry that takes place in there. But John doesn't do this. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all of John's writing is based around, remember that Word at the beginning, that Jesus? He was one with God. This Jesus, he is the Word of God. Now the words of John were written to help people believe and to bring about faith in people. These words were written also with the purpose of helping those who already believe to keep believing. He's encouraging us to continue our journey. John wants you to know who Christ is and that he is important. The most important and that he should remain the most important. And John wants to stress this importance, and he talks about Jesus talking about abiding in the word. And this brings a lot of confusion in people because of these verses. In John 8.31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And John 15.6, If anyone does not abide in me, He is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now there's a difference between these two verses. See, in one, Jesus says, abide in my word, and in doing this, you're my disciples. But in the other, he says, abide in me. So there's there's a major difference here, abiding in my word, abide in me. So what does this mean when he says, abide in my word? And how does it relate to abide in me? John saw it from a unique perspective, though. One that we tend to forget about or can't understand because John was with Jesus physically. He was around him. He sat with him. He ate with him. They walked together from town to town. They walked into Jerusalem And this John, this disciple, was called the disciple Jesus loved. So this man was very close to Jesus. And this problem of abide in my word and abide in me is one that he likely dealt with for a long time. How can Jesus call himself the word and also say abide in me? To the Jewish world, this would be blasphemous. This is something man can't say. To the Jews at the time, this was a direct attack against God. What we see here, though, is John solving this mystery and calling Jesus the Word of God. John saw that what Jesus was saying throughout his ministry was in line with Scripture perfectly. And what Jesus was saying 
also lined up perfectly with his own actions. So John sees these two things and notices how they link together. Abide in my word, abide in me. John sees how they intertwine together and comes to the conclusion that Jesus is the word of God. So these aren't random writings from some ancient long-forgotten scholar. These writings are the revelation that Jesus is the word of God, that Jesus was there in the beginning with God. Through him all things were created. Now there's something we also need to understand that there are consequences for not abiding in the word. Consequences of being taken off and thrown in the fire, being called broken branches. And do we understand the gravity of this? That he's not talking to unbelievers, people who have never heard the word. He is talking directly to believers. So, do you abide in Christ and he in you? Do you know who Christ is? The more we're able to answer these questions, the more likely it is that we are going to grow, to grow closer to the true vine and not to become dead wood or branches to be thrown in the fire. And we come to four points to understand Christ better, to understand the word better. Christ's relationship to God, Christ's role in creation, Christ's role in the world, and Christ's role in your life. Christ's relationship to God is tender and close. In the beginning, he dwelt in the bosom of the Father. In him, the Holy Spirit and God the Father were perfectly united together. Everything they did, everything they said, was in unity. And when Christ shows up on the scene in the form of man, Everyone around, when they see what he does and see what he says, they call him the Son of God, and he doesn't deny this. Christ's purpose in the unity is so great, but in the beginning, all things were made through him. We see... a great tenderness in the way creation is made, how in-depth and detailed everything takes place, and this leads us to Christ's role in creation. And John 1 has large parallels to Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Genesis we see, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And this is done with purpose. This was done so 
the Jews might see the parallels between Christ and see that he was there, that he was there in the beginning with God. Jesus is called the life giver. Everything around us he sustains, and we see this in the fine-tuning of the universe. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat. If even one thing was off with the air we breathe, we wouldn't be able to breathe anymore. If the chemicals that make up water, hydrogen and oxygen, were done just slightly wrong and just slightly off, we would see nothing but disaster. And yet this is the stuff that sustains our body. Everything around us is finely tuned and shows a creator was involved. Now we move on to Christ's role in the world. Jesus makes repentance possible. See, without his sacrifice, we would face full-on the wrath of God. And his sacrifice protects us from that wrath. It brings us to a place of shelter where the wrath of God just washes over and completely unaffects us. And in order to even repent from our sins and follow him and go to him, we need him to repent. This is Jesus saying, you need to do this in order that you might be saved, but you can't do this without me. So Jesus steps in and says, I will show you how to do this and I will do it for you. Jesus teaches truth. Everything Jesus does, he comes in speaking nothing but truth. No one is able to find any fault against him or any misspoken word. He spoke truth to the woman at the well, the one who had many husbands, and the one she was with now was not her husband. She was amazed at the truth that he spoke. He spoke truth to the adulterous woman who was being stoned by the Jewish leaders. And his truth saved her and turned away their wrath and their anger. He spoke truth to Peter who doubted on the water. While Jesus was walking and Peter walks out to him and Peter starts to doubt, and Jesus speaks truth to him. See, Jesus speaks the deepest truths in our greatest need. His truth cuts directly to the heart of our pain and our sin, and it's needed. Jesus also talks at great length about hell. And he talks about what will happen to those who don't believe, about those who will get broken off and cast into the fire. He constantly warns us about this danger and our need for salvation. And Jesus offers hope. 
Jesus says, those who believe in him and repent will have everlasting life with him. He said it while he was being condemned and tortured on the cross. And one thief denied him and the other glorified him even on the cross while he was dying. And Jesus turns to him and says, you will be with me today in paradise. See, Jesus offers hope for the broken, the angry, the mourning. He offers hope to the persecuted and the persecutor. Jesus offers peace. He is a healer. In times of strife and anger, he brings peace. He calms down the tide of our wrath that can so easily turn against other people. He guides us beside calm waters and green pastures. Jesus sets the example. He comes and he speaks truth and hope and peace and he teaches about repentance. And he says, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus shows us how to do that. He shows men how to be righteous and how to show love. He shows women kindness and hope and how to act in righteousness. Jesus is the perfect example. And now our last point of these four points. Christ's role in your life. How great is our God? Three points that we just talked about are so important, but there's something even more important for us to understand that you can believe there is one God, but that does not mean you are saved. Your salvation is not dependent on believing that God is real. See, this last one, Christ's role in your life, is a warning against idolatry. In James 2.19, we see, you believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. See, the demons believe in God. They know his word better than we do, and they're terrified of him. So how are we different than them? And this leads to the question, is Christ first and foremost in your life? See, anything that comes before Christ is considered idolatry, and we are told to resist, to flee, to keep ourselves from, to put to death. In 1 Corinthians 10.7, we are told, do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. In 1 Corinthians 10.14, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. 1 John 5.21, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Colossians 3.5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Isaiah 45:20 Gather together and come assemble you fugitives from the nations ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood who pray to gods that cannot save. 
Jonah 2.8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Judges 10.14, go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. Leviticus 19.4, do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. Psalm 16.4, those who run after other, other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Galatians 4.8, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. So what are idols in your life? Idols are not just simply wooden statues or metal figures. Is it money? Is it work? What about your hobbies? Or how about something closer? Is it your wife, your husband, your children, your parents? Is it people's opinions? Simply put, an idol is anything you love more than Jesus, anything you talk about more than Jesus, anything that takes Jesus' place in your life. The greatest threat to your salvation, even while being a believer, is putting things and people above Jesus, who is the only one who can save you. So we need to put our focus on him. We need to abandon our idols. And I do not say this as if I have not been affected by this. There have been idols in my life that have wrecked me and brought me to low points that at times I never thought I would come out of. See, these idols bring about despair, rejection, loneliness. They do not offer any hope or peace. They do not solve any problems, and they only create problems. And we see Jesus standing here saying, leave them behind. Leave everything behind and trust me. I'm worth far more than these idols who don't even talk to you, who don't answer the questions that are deep within your soul, deep within your mind, deep within your heart. In every way, we need Jesus. We need him. I need him. You need him. At every age, we need him. No one is exempt from this, not the young, not the old, not anyone in between. See, we will answer for all these things in the time of judgment. And we need to come to the point where Jesus is worth more and worth us abandoning all other things for him. He didn't say it would be easy. In fact, in every way, it will be the hardest thing for us to do. Jesus promises trouble will come for those who follow him, for those who give up their jobs to him, their hobbies, their children, their spouses, for those who give up their anger and their justice that they seek when they're wronged, to give up hurts from so long ago that we've held on to, hurts that have been given to us by other people.
hurts that we've given to ourselves. See, this will cost you everything to follow Christ. There's hope in this, though. Hope that it's worth it to turn to Christ, to resist and fight back. And we see a promise in the story of the rich man in Matthew 19, 29 to 30. When this rich man comes and says, I've done everything that I'm supposed to. And Jesus says, give up your money. And the rich man walks away. This man could have had the chance to be a disciple of Christ, ranking up there with the other 12. He was offered the chance if he would only give up his money. In verse 29 of Matthew 19, Jesus says, Everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, or farms to follow me will get much more than they left and they will have eternal life. Many people who are first now will be last in the future, and many who are last now will be first in the future. The word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, has spoken a promise here. See, the word isn't just a warning, but a promise of hope for those who believe and repent. A promise that says, Come to me, all who are lost and weary, all who are betrayed and hurting, And I will make you lie down upon green fields, green fields by still waters. So we've seen the four points here. Christ's relationship to God, his role in creation, his role in the world, and his role in our lives. With the warning against idolatry. So I ask you, is there something in your life that you are a slave to? Is there something you need to change? Someone you need to forgive? Is that someone yourself? We know there are promises that come with putting Jesus first and that he has never broken his word. The songs sung today talk about who God is. And in this sermon, we seek to find the answer to the question, who is Jesus? See, we need to know who Jesus is. Who is this one who saves? Who is this one who tells us to abandon our idols, to destroy them? And this is so important that we get this right, that we know what the Bible says about who Jesus is. See, it's easy to quote one or two verses that might give you hope, but there's so much more. See, Jesus is far beyond anything we can know or understand even. The writers of the scripture say that he did all these things, all these miracles, all these signs, all these wonders, but he did so much more that there's not enough paper and ink in the world to even begin to think about writing down everything he did. So who is this Jesus? A man by the name of Eric Ludi wrote a song called He Is, the Names of God. Eric Ludi said this regarding his song. This message flowed out of a life-changing journey through, through Scripture to study the names of God from Genesis to Revelation. 
see the names of God are not just stuck in the New Testament where people just talk about Jesus. It's all throughout. The following answers of who Christ is are directly from Scripture, starting in Genesis and going through to Revelation. And this is important because we need to know who he is so we can better justify our reasonings to ourself on why we need to let things go. See, he is Elohim, God, Judge, Creator. He is Yahweh, Lord Jehovah. He is El Elyon, the Most High God. Adonai, Lord, Master. El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. El Olam, the everlasting God, the God of eternity, the God of the universe, the God of ancient days. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, the Shiloh, the peacemaker, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my miracle. He is Kana, jealous. He is Jehovah Mekodishkem, the Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord who makes holy. He is a star, a scepter out of Israel, the accursed of God, the captain of the host of the Lord. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. He is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of powers, the rock of my salvation. He is the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds. He is the daysman, the interpreter, the anointed, my rock and my redeemer, crowned with a crown of pure gold, the most blessed forever. He is the forsaken a worm and no man, Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd, my restorer, the king of glory, he who sitteth king forever. He is a stranger and an alien, my strong rock, my rock and my fortress, fairer than the children of men, the rock that is higher than I, the rock of my strength, a rock of habitation, he is as rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. He is the rock of my heart, the shield, the rock of my refuge, a king and priest after the order of Melchizedek, a brother born for adversity, a friend that loveth at all times, a stone of grace, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is as ointment poured forth, my well-beloved, a bundle of myrrh, a cluster of henna blooms, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the chiefest among ten thousand. His countenance is as Lebanon. Ye, he is altogether lovely. He is my beloved and my friend. He is holy, 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 a sanctuary, a great light, a son given, the mighty God, the father of eternity. He is a child born, the prince of peace, an ensign of the people, a nail fastened in a sure place, a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in distress, a shadow from the heat, a refuge from the storm. He is the rock of ages, a crown of glory and beauty, a sure foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a covert from the tempest. He is 
as, wa- as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land, as a hiding place from the wind, the king in his beauty, my leader, the everlasting God, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. He is a light of the Gentiles, a covenant of the people, a polished shaft, glorious, the Holy One of Israel. He is a man of sorrows, despised, rejected, stricken, smitten, wounded, bruised, oppressed. He is my portion, my maker, my husband, the God of the whole earth. He is a witness to the people, a leader, a commander, the redeemer, mighty. He is my physician, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, David their king, my resting place, my feeder, a plant of renown, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. He is the Prince of Princes, the Messiah, the Prince, the strength of the children of Israel, the hope of thy people, a ruler, king over all the earth. He is a refiner's fire, fuller's soap, my refiner, my purifier, the son of righteousness. He is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, born as the king of the Jews, a governor, the Nazarene, the bridegroom, meek, lowly. He is the one of whom the Father says, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, the son of the living God, Jesus the Christ, the rock, the builder, the prophet of Nazareth. He is betrayed, mocked, crucified, the Holy One of God, my brother, the carpenter, and his life is a ransom. He is the Son of the Blessed. He is the Son of the Highest, God my Savior, a horn of salvation, the day spring from on high, a Savior which is Christ the Lord, the salvation of God. He is the glory of thy people Israel, Lord of the Sabbath, my healer, the Christ of God, my servant, the chosen of God, risen, a prophet mighty in deed and word. He is the word, the word that was with God, the word that was God, the light of men, the true light, the word that was made flesh. He is the only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, the lamb of God, my teacher, the gift of God, the Messiah, the bread of God, the bread of life. He is my meat, my drink, the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the good shepherd that laid down his life, the scent of the father. He is the resurrection, king of the daughter of Zion, the corn of wheat, the light, my Lord, master, my example. He is the way, the truth, the life, the vine, my keeper, scourged, crowned with a crown of thorns, crucified as the king of the Jews. He is exalted, glorified, the holy one and the just, the prince of life, anointed, a prince and a savior. He is Lord Jesus, Lord of all, the judge, Jesus of Nazareth, the mercy seat, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the firstborn among many brethren. Over all, God blessed forever. Lord over all, the deliverer, Lord both of the dead and living, the minister of the circumcision. He is my wisdom, my righteousness, my sanctification, 
my redemption. He is the foundation, my Passover, that spiritual rock, the head of every man, the firstfruits of them that slept. He is the last Adam, a quickening spirit, the image of God, his unspeakable gift, my peace. He is the offering, the sacrifice, the head over all things to the church, he that filleth all in all, a servant who humbled himself unto death, even death upon a cross. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, the creator of all things, the firstborn from the dead, the head of the body, the church, the head of all principality and power. He is my all in all our Lord Jesus Christ himself, Lord of peace, my hope, God manifest in the flesh. He is the justified, the mediator, the righteous judge, the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, obedient, and his throne is forever and ever. He is the upholder of all things, the express image of his person, the brightness of his glory, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the shepherd of the sheep, the great shepherd that was brought again from the dead. He is the minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, and his flesh is the veil which was rent in two, the altar, the offerer, the forerunner for us entered even Jesus. He is the priest, the high priest, the great high priest, the intercessor, the surety, the covenanter. He is the captain of salvation, the author and finisher of faith, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, crowned with glory and honor. He is the tempted, the merciful, the faithful, holy, harmless, undefiled, the separate, the perfect. He is my helper, a lamb without blemish and without spot, a living stone, a chief cornerstone, a precious stone. He is guileless, reviled, the chief shepherd that shall again appear, the day star, my savior, the word of life, the life, that eternal life which was with the Father. He is Jesus Christ the righteous, the savior of the world, the true God, the advocate, he is Jesus Christ, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, the almighty which is and which was and which is to come, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last, he that liveth, the tree of life, the hidden manna, the faithful and true witness, the amen. He is the beginning of the creation of God, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that was slain, the lamb in the midst of the throne, the lamb slain. He is the king of saints, king of nations. He is Lord of lords. He is faithful and true. He is crowned with many crowns. He is the word of God. He is the king of kings. He is the temple. He is the bright and morning star. Christ. He remains the message. He remains the standard. There's no other way. I challenge you to question your life and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you this great word of God, who is Christ. Holy Spirit, 
reveal to us more of Christ. This great word at the beginning. I challenge you in your prayers to ask Jesus to reveal idols in your life. Areas where you can change. Areas where you can speak the hope of who Christ is to those around you and to yourself. Jesus, I pray that we would be satisfied with you. That you would show us the idols we need to be rid of. We've gone over just some of the names we have for you. Names that you have brought to us through the millenniums, through thousands of years. Jesus, I pray that who you are would dwell in us and that we would dwell in you. Jesus, I pray that your word and your names would forever be on our tongues and that when our neighbors look at us, they would see only you. When they would listen to us, they would hear only you. Amen. People of God, people on the road, arise and shine. Go forth 
in the radiance of God. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. We want to thank Everett Olson for sharing with us the things that God has left, laid on his heart. And for benediction, I would like to read one of my favorite groups of verses from Ephesians 3. I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your innermost being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you.